Put him on his back. Thurston, right foot kick, down the ground, into the end goal almost. Hodgson cuts it off. Hodgson taken by Norton. He took him late. Marshall skips away. Marshall skips away. Marshall's still going. Marshall's got Richards coming up outside. Now inside. Richards pursued. He pushes Johnson away. Good evening, Tuesday, the 2nd of August, 2022. Yes, that's right, we're in August already. Unbelievable. It felt like we were celebrating New Year's and popping party poppers only last week, but here we are in August and we're in the last month of the NRL season and you're back for another episode of the Tiger Town Podcast with your hosts, Toby and Zach. Toby's on the other end of the line and I suspect he's probably feeling a little bit more chipper <laughs> after Saturday night's effort, mate. Mate, wasn't I ever. I um, Yeah, it was... It was probably the most complete performance we put together all year, and that's including the wins against the Rabbitohs and the Eels. We were, you know, we weren't great in that first half but our, in attack, but our defense was just spot on. Like, you can't fault us on that. And then that second half, just, you know, turn the, flip the switch and away we went. Yeah. So, oh, look, the last two weeks have been our two best weeks by a long way. Mm. Um, definitely played better than what we did against Parramatta and, and South earlier in the year, as much as they were good games. We, um, yeah, well, effectively, we've won two in a row against two. Which is firmly, still on the cards as well. Two firmly entrenched uh, top four sides. Mm. Yeah, a bit a bit to play out there. We'll have to wait and see what happens. It's a lot happening behind the scenes. They're certainly like letting that up with the, the battle to recoup those points. Geez, that'd be good, wouldn't it? Oh, mate. That'd be amazing if we could, like, I was looking at the ladder after we won that game and I'm sitting there going, look, if a couple of very key decisions in a couple of key matches went our way, mm. we'd only be four points out of the top eight. Yeah. Literally. Not, not much at all. No. Um, you look at what were some of those key calls. There was a Warriors call. I think Luciato's no try against the Warriors. Didn't Kelm even send no- up for a view. Yep. 100%. Um, Kelmer's no try against the Dragons. And then there was what happened with the Gold Coast and what happened with Cowboys. Mm. But there, there's four games that, to be honest, we actually probably won all four of them. Not a 50-50. We no, probably no. just about won all four of them. Yep. Um, so straight away, that puts us to 18 points. And then the Dragons come back because of that one loss swing back to 18. So we're level with them. Um, so like you said, yeah, four points off the eight. Um, you know, in a season that has been woeful, We've lost a coach. We've had our best player out for half the season. Yep. Um, we've we've been playing beneath the salary cap. We've let multiple players go. We've been horribly out of form. We've had at one stage thirteen of our thirty top thirteen of our top thirty out injured for extended periods. Um, so, all things being considered, look, the season is most definitely going to be um, you know a failure. But yep, and it most definitely is over. But yeah, it's it's a case of you know what could have gone wrong has gone wrong this year. So I guess on the weekend, if we can continue in some way, winning or not, just to play some good football, it'll uh, be able to put a nice little bookend on on a horrible year in so many ways, and maybe gives a little bit of hope heading into next year. Um, I guess coupled with you know the few of the arrivals that we do have coming in, but um, yeah, a bit off track. The game, I thought the game was pretty good. We uh, we had the opportunity last minute to possibly go, just didn't really work out. Um, and aren't we spewing? But had oh we, yeah, had, we, had we been there, we wouldn't have we wouldn't have won. No doubt, we would have uh, put the mockers on on a team. Well, so if we did win, we would have still been at the casino at six a.m. the next morning, enjoying ourselves. So yeah, no, yeah. I, I said that. Mm. I think there might have been a divorce on the cards based upon when I was coming home, if, uh, <laughs> if, we, if we had been there. But um, as much as that would have been good, we have been to a um, Suncorp game in the last handful of years uh, when the Tigers have got a victory, and that was at your Bucks party, mate. It, oh, mate, that's a while ago now. That's six years ago now. So, yeah, so that was a good one. That was a good nothing, one. Nothing better than beating the Broncos at Suncorp and oh, absolutely giving it to them. We've actually got a, a bit of um, a, a bit of what luck at there at the Suncorp at the moment. Cause if I remember correctly, I've been to almost every game since 2016 at Suncorp 
And I think we've won every single game at Suncorp. Yeah, right. We obviously well, that lost... makes... You go, sorry. I was going to say, we obviously lost in 2018 uh, at Campbelltown against the Broncos, mm. very controversially. Again, with Ashley Klein at the helm. Um, mm. But, yeah, up here, it seemed to be... Uh, we seemed to have their, their ticket, so... Yeah, uh, without that game as well, we might have extended the winning streak because that's now four wins on the trot against the Broncos and they haven't beaten us since that 2018 game where we mm. got robbed again by Ashley Klein. Yeah. So, yeah, um, good times in regards to the weekend. And, gee, a win, a good solid win, um, does goes a long way to making you feel a little bit more positive about uh, all things Tigers, doesn't it? It does, it does, but I, 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 it's a very familiar story, you know, getting ahead of ourselves. So I'm not going to say anything until uh, I'm comfortable of where we're heading. And with news that, you know, we're possibly re-signing Brooks for an extra two years if we can get him cheaper. Um, I don't know if that's heading in the right direction, but you seem to have a theory on why we might be doing that. And if that is the case, um, all the more to him. Yeah, well, that's it. And we've got a bit to unpack with that Brooks situation, I think. And we've got to, we've got to stress that this is just speculation in the last 24, 48 hours. But um, we might get to that maybe in the signings thread a little bit uh, a little bit later in the pod. But what what pleased you out of the game? I guess what big takeaways did you like? We can, you know, there's probably a lot to talk about, a lot of good performances. But uh, if you're going to titrate it down to two or three main points. I can probably put it down to, so my main point is, Laurie backed up his performance again against the Cowboys. He was so good. His support play was amazing. He was solid in um, positioning. He was solid on defusal. Some of his takes. He's yeah. He he's definitely recapturing that form that we loved to see last year. And I think he's actually improved on that because mm. last year his form was great in terms of positioning and you know. Um, line breaks and things like that. But this year he's added that element or from the last two games or last three games, he's added that element of his support play and also his, um, uh, his finishing in terms of passing and things like that. So he was outstanding, mm. probably one of our best. Um, I think his last two weeks have been his best two games for us. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. By far. Most complete. Uh, my other one is kind of a surprising one, but I'm kind of glad it surprised me. Toa actually had a good game. He was not caught out in defense as often as he was. I have a feeling that's now I got a lot more and it, it's kind of making sense why possibly um, they're putting Naden in the wing because it gives him, it, it, they have, he has a lot more trust in Naden. Um, when to stay out, when to come in, follow Naden. Obviously Naden's talks a lot and that's something that probably <clears throat> we know that, um, you know, when uh, Capola was on the wing with him and stuff like that, two very quiet players. So I'm very pleasantly surprised he had a good game. Um, I yeah, just hope he, he can back it up. He only missed the one tackle, I think, looking at the stats, um, which for him in recent weeks, if you've been keeping up with the podcast and you know how much he's been missing tackles and mm-hmm. not only not only missing tackles, but his reads, uh, he did quite a good job. So, yeah. Yeah, very pleasing effort. He was marking Dean Mariner, the young fella for the Broncos, who looked actually pretty lively. So uh, his uh, his first up contact was quite good. And yeah, he, he did a good job. So he fixed up what was a his main glaring weakness, really, didn't he? He did. He did. And that, like, we like it's it's the same thing with um, Safarth in terms of we never faulted his effort. But unlike Safarth, he can deliver and he doesn't look like he's just plodding along. Mm. Um, in saying that, but Safar did make 50 tackles on the weekend. So, yeah, quite a good effort. I'm not going to go too far and applaud him too much because that is literally all he did. But, yep. um, good on him for going out. I'm sure that his role was reasonably simplified and yeah, good on him for going out and, uh, you yeah. know, executing on that role. So, his run, yeah, 81 run meters. And, um, another pleasing thing is Tulagi's back in form. Mm. That, like, Yes, it was um, a great line break by him. He ran a great line, but you got to give props to Jock Madden for that setup. The difference between, because we see Brooks do it time and time again, trying to go for those short balls, and they probably one out of 30 come off, literally. 
the difference between what he did, what he does, and what Madden had, what Madden did on the weekend was, it was soft hands. You you go back to those old Mighty Ducks movies when they had the egg on the on the ice with the sticks, soft hands, soft hands. That's all he. That's all it was, and you know, very very um, precise pass. Whereas you watch the way Brooks does it, he pegs it at them and hopes they hopes they catch it. So, but yeah, yeah, just. Just on jockey did some good things and some not so good things. Um, I think the not so good things got covered up a little bit by the fact that um, he had a, a couple of good showings. Obviously, he scored that that nice try that he also set up the break for Kelmer that you were just describing, and uh, he he played a good role in um, and another couple of little movements. Uh, what was his other main try involvement? I'm trying to think. Was it uh, he set the up left that- to Naden? So- yeah, Sweet. the left, the the first try. So what he did yeah. was you watch how he did. That's he right. shimmied off the he, he, off the left very quickly again off yeah. the right, which made the center turn their shoulder in. Yeah, and that's when created the overlap. So it was really like I watched that as soon as I saw that happen. I'm like, oh, that's genius. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, I just did it there. So um, it was quite good. Yeah, it was good. It, it actually looked a bit stop start. Then you go back and you replay it and. Uh, it was good, just that subtle movement inwards as if he was jinking off that left to, to drag that centre in and then through the flat ball, yeah. which was quite nice. Was so, yeah, he yep. he played a key role, unfortunately, though, on a pretty poor missed tackle on uh, Jordan Ricky. So that, yeah, you know, that he obviously yeah. evens, evens itself out and got forgotten about a little bit. But with a 22-year-old halfback who's played, you know, a dozen first-grade games and he's not overly big, defence is always going to be one of those major concerns. So... Yeah. Um, you well, know, as long as he's chipping away on it. Well, we always remember when Brooks first came to grade, that was his biggest fault was, was, um, was his. Yeah. 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 Um, oh, well, yeah. If, if you're referring to missed tackles and whatnot. So, um, it was, and, and you, you expect that with young halves, uh, but yeah. Yeah. Look, he, 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 did quite a good job. He, he certainly um, put his hand up and, and stepped pretty seamlessly in that role, to be honest, and probably been a little bit too hard on him, considering that he has been out of the side uh, for a little while. He, he actually, fun fact, Jock Madden's actually played in all four of our wins this year. He's played two as starting halfback, and he's played oh, one as starting halfback, one as starting 5'8", and he's played another uh, two on the bench where he was the 14. So um, he's got a pretty good... Strike rate jock this year playing for the Tigers. So maybe he's had good luck charm. After yeah, seeing maybe. how we go moving maybe. forward. It'd be interesting to see what things end up, you know, actually coming to fruition if um you know if Brooks stays. Like there is talks that he's just about to pull up stumps if not. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's you know, that's gonna be a lot of manager talk as well and all those things have to work themselves out. As we keep saying, keep using the same old adage that uh, water under the bridge. There's a lot of that to happen between now and next year and now in 24 and now in 25 when, when Benji takes over. So, um, yeah, a lot to play out there. But uh, anything else that caught your eye quickly about the game? Anyone else that you liked? Um, I, it's already been said about uh, Dewey. There's um, He definitely – he has – he did – have a very clean drop, which kind of annoyed me. Uh, at one point, we were in very good attacking attacking um, position, but he was definitely adds. He's definitely our best player. There's no two ways about that. For me, it's not, and it's been pointed out time and time again. Um, for me, it's not on the field. It was off the field. Hastings with a broken fibula went around went and around. photos and signed autographs and everything like that. That's what you want as a club, man. Mm. So, yeah. As much as it was a horrible sight and see what happened to that injury, that was uh, pretty, yeah, pretty. Uh, I'm trying to think of what the word is. It, it was a very, you know, poignant sort of shot, him standing there with ice on the back of his ankle, um, signing autographs after the game and being the person that was out there the most and still having a laugh and a chuckle. So anyone questions his dedication to the jersey, I'm sure that that was erased uh, at the end of last week, that's for sure. hundred uh, percent. I think, um, you know, if Tamo doesn't get signed, re-signed and doesn't stay on for an extra year, which I still think he should, I think he still adds something. 
Uh, next year, the co-captains is Dewey and Hastings if Hastings sticks around. So, mm. um, but there's there's no suggestion that he won't. Um, but it it all depends. Um, it all depends if he want if they see him as a lock and he wants to play halfback. Yeah, so. exactly right. And obviously, there's a few captain contenders as well. You know, Joffa's a bloke that we've spoken about killing it. Um, I. Wanted to mention, among other people, the forwards were just huge across the board. But um, again, Fanua Apollo. In 38 minutes, he ran for 120 odd meters off 12 carries or something. He was just dynamic, and he just he found a complete another gear again, you, which was uh, yeah phenomenal. The thing, that, the thing that I loved, and I just I saw I saw him do it twice. His runs off the back fence. Mm. Like that one after whatever try it was, I can't remember exactly which try it was, but we scored a try. He took the kick off and he ran with so much purpose. He's like, I'm running through you. I don't care if you're in my, um, if you're in my way. Mm. So yeah, you've definitely picked a winner when you've uh, said, keep your tabs on this bloke. Yeah. yeah no, he's good. He's good. And he's only going to get better. Uh, he's only 20 odd, I think. So yeah, he's, he's one to lock down for the future, that's for sure. Oh, 100%. Him, and, him and Steph are going to play a pretty big role, I think, in our forward pack moving forward, which is exciting. Mm, definitely. Add, add Papali'i and Corrissi out of that forward pack and offer Hengawi. That's starting to look like a pretty hectic uh, forward pack, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually looks pretty decent, doesn't it? Yeah, if most we, definitely. If we, if we can piss off Safarth, and you know, I'm happy with what we've got. <laughs> I don't think he's signed beyond this year so far. So look, I think we spoke about in the past. He's probably the sort of bloke that you want to have maybe as number 28 or 29 in your squad because you can call on him like situations like this mm. for us, especially in a position where skinny in. Um, it's it's always going to be better than throwing in a, a, a pure rookie. But yeah, hopefully he doesn't need to fill up a role for too many more years and we can get some decent guns in those sort of positions with our, our juniors coming through. So We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, look, that game on the weekend, man, that, it was awesome. It's so good to to get a win over that club up here um, and stick it to everyone at work and wear that yeah. Tigers jersey proud around town and know that no one can give you grief about it because if nothing else, we beat your team on your home on your home turf. So, no, it's good to see. And it drags us off the bottom of the table. It does. Rightfully, rightfully where we should not ever be again. No, and that's the thing. I mean... You look at, like I said, you look at it and we're on 18 points, four points outside the top eight. If every, if things go away the way they should have, but it's just, um, yeah, it was just that kind of a year, you know, we can't keep kicking stones. We have to keep trying to move forward. And I don't know, I'm still, I'll always be at the start of every year, but you know, it's uh, for 10 years now. It's definitely, um, definitely hurt how optimistic I've been and how often it just doesn't go my way. So doesn't go your way. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's a tough life for us. We really drew the bottom, as I say, bottom of the barrel, but we drew the short straw by being New South Wales supporters and, and supporting the Tigers. I don't, I've said before, it should be illegal, that combination. Fair digger. No one else goes through more heartbreak than what we do, but skies are looking good. While we talk about heartbreak, we won on the weekend. How good is, how good's life? Yes. How good's life? So we could probably, um, we've talked about the Broncos. We can probably move on from that um, and sort of, Move on to, I guess, the, you know, the August has landed in terms of, you know, signings and mid-season signings and cutoffs and, um, yeah, we can probably push into that if we, if we have time. Yeah. Oh, we've got, we've always got time on the Tiger Town podcast, mate. We've got time, time for days. So the Tigers have loaned out a couple of players this week. Um, those that have not been following the news would know that Nofaluma and Oliver Gildart have gone out to the Melbourne Storm and the Roosters respectively. Uh, those deals are short-term loans for the end of the year and those players 
uh, likely in Nofaluma's case and and possibly in Gildart's case, get the opportunity to play some finals football. And more importantly, you might ask the question, why would the Tigers do that? The Tigers would lend these players out, one, because they're not overly required in our games for the back end of the year. Uh, one, because we've got depth in that position. Or two, because they're not in the plans, as is the case, I think, with Gildart. Uh, but secondly, it gives us some cap dispensation. So Oliver, Oliver Gildart or, or Nofaluma, regardless of who we're talking about. And as was the case, I guess, with Thomas McKayley and Luciano Leilua, they are all on semi-decent contracts, at least to some degree. But the point being, I guess, that if we view August 1 as a percentage of the year, from now till November 1, we effectively have three months. So one quarter of that particular player's salary is then to be removed off the salary cap. So Nofaluma is on a deal reported to be around 500,000 or there or thereabouts, roughly. These are all speculation, but that's roughly what it is. Therefore, basically, we would receive $125 back in our salary. $125. (laughs) That's about about enough for a slab of beer at the moment. $125,000, I should say, uh, back in our salary cap for this year. And we can choose to do that, uh, do with that what we will. We can choose to pay players forward ahead um, who maybe may be on inflated salaries next year, for example a halfback that's currently out with a calf injury. Uh, and then if you look at the situation with Luciano Leilua with McKaylee, they both left um, a month or two ago. So we receive a higher proportion of their salary back. And But then again, it depends upon what they're earning. So look, the reported amounts that we have received back from those four players is somewhere in the realms of four to $500,000, which in a $10 million salary cap, um, that represents about 5% of your salary cap that you receive back mm. in a season that you're not playing finals and with players that were somewhat surplus to our requirements. So it's somewhat of a shrewd move because if we can take $500,000 off, say, Luke Brooks's contract next year, for example, that has been well reported to be overinflated, that all of a sudden takes a $1.1 ridiculous million-dollar contract and turns it into a $600,000 contract. And, you know... Talk talk ad nauseum that we have and probably will continue a little bit tonight about how Luke Brooks has been going over the last several years, eight years this year, um, and whether or not he is deserved of 1.1 is a pretty straightforward question to be answered. But when you bring that back to 600 and you think that he may be your starting halfback or, you know, if not, if not our starting halfback, then certainly one of our starting halves, then $600,000 all of a sudden seems pretty reasonable. And we've been able to get that discount simply by letting some players go towards the end of the season to help another club out. So that's the long-winded version, essentially, of why the club would even entertain doing this. Now, obviously, it comes with risks. If that player goes and does an ACL, we cop that player being out for the best part of six to 12 months, which means we essentially lose that player for most of next year. However... I guess that is one of the key reasons why when players like Adam Dwayhe or Dane Laurie were requested by the Storm, we don't release those types of players because they're deemed to be too important. Whereas Nofaluma, I think the understanding was with him in particular, is a little bit off the club. Um, and he's obviously signed for another two years still, so he'll be back. But I think it's given it as an opportunity to freshen him up a little bit. We've got enough coverage in the backs, in the wing in particular, to be able to cover for him. So it's not as big of a loss as a key position spine player as the other guys would be. So um, it's it's that fine balance there. I think Gildart came over on on a, a strange, I don't know, but it's semi-healthy sort of contract. I think it's around the 400K mark or so, maybe a little bit more even, remembering that he was a great Britain centre. So mm. we currently had him playing 5-8 for the Magpies in reserve grade. So even if he does a major injury, knowing that he is signed for next year. He's probably not in the plans to get much of a run next year anyway. Where There was talk that we were trying to shop him. And even if he does get knocked out, he hasn't played for many months anyway because he hasn't been with had other players in front of him. So you've got to weigh those risks up. But in that situation, I think that there's a reason that the club offered those particular players when certain clubs came knocking for reinforcements. And um, that's the reason that we've gone about it and the, the way... Um, or the purpose behind the Tigers side of things, I guess. 
But all that is somewhat null and void because it's since been slated to be moved back to June 30 after the debacles of this year in terms of how it's all played out. It was very sort of trade window, uh, NFL-esque, I think, and, and season sort of, uh, I guess, late season stacking your side. And it only took one year for, for Landys to come out basically and say, well, from next year, we're not going to do that. We're going to bring it back to June 30 as opposed to the August one that it was because of COVID. So that was a bit frantic and odd and different for the NRL this year, but it'll be one and done and it won't be the case next year. So, Yeah, look, I'm a little disappointed, honestly, that we haven't some big name or some name that we were discussing, like obviously not a big name, but somebody that we know and someone we've discussed in the past didn't come over. Um, you know, for all intents and purposes, I thought Nathan Brown was going to come over for a mid-season signing. Thought that was a possibility. Um, you know, I heard, I know that Parramatta were in talks with him, but I also heard that we were putting whispers out to bring Marty to power back. Um, it's, a, it's a little bit frustrating, the fact that, you know, how much money we do have left in the salary cap and there's no, no, no news about any upgrades or anything like that, to be honest. So... Yeah, I think they're de- not. I think I know that there definitely will be. Um, and I was in the same boat that somehow when you go take all your birthday money and you go out shopping and you come home with nothing, you feel a bit deflated. Yeah. And we've got we've got salary cap room galore, but I guess there's no point paying for someone for a mid-season switch with five weeks in the year just to pay their wage for another club to help them out when we're going nowhere anyway. So yeah, we will definitely yeah we'll be definitely adding to our squad over the summer. Um, and definitely heading into November 1 and whatnot. Look for us to be pretty active, to be perfectly honest. Uh, we've got, a, you know, well and surely over a million dollars to spend just for next year alone. And that's include that's including already having paid um, Dewey, Brooks, Hastings, Coruscant, Papali'i, all those salaries are already paid and we've still got over a million in the cap to spend. So um, that's going to be interesting. And then come November 1, obviously, we can start shopping for 24. Um, so... I think they're playing the long game and as, as frustrating as that is, and we all want signings, don't we? Yeah. We haven't really had a signing of it, of it, anything decent since uh, whenever Papa Lee signed, which was uh, last year. And then I actually, sorry, then Coruscant on December three as well last year. So, and maybe Naden, if you want to include him. Yeah, look, I, I was just reviewing then who's off contract come November 1, but or not off contract, but can look November 1. And I've got one player that I'd love to throw some money out and not put him in the centres because he's playing centre at the moment and put him in the back row, and that's Talakai. That's money I'd throw out. Imagine having a back row of Talakai and Papaliti. So, yeah, and it seems pretty dynamic, doesn't it? It does. The thing about Talakai, for me, is I... Um, don't know. He looks like a flat track bully to me and his efforts in origin really, really put me off him. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and that's just, that's me with, I think currently poor judgment, limited judgment. I'll have to watch a lot more of him. I don't watch a lot of sharks games to be honest. So I'll have to watch a little bit more and see if I can't, uh, see a little bit more of him to go from there, but he's going to have to, he's going to have to perform at a higher level more consistently for mine. Yep. particularly in the back row, considering he's center. I mean, he gave Morgan Harper a bath earlier in the year and he looked like a world beater. Mm-hmm. I can't think of him doing a whole lot since, uh, but that's probably my naivety with not, not watching a lot of Sharks games. But Yeah, he, he definitely hasn't had that same game. I mean, that was a – I think he ran for over 230 metres in that game alone. Um, but he's definitely been very solid. And he's got – you know, you have, you have a, a, a talk about like – the skills that a lot of Islander players have, no matter their position they play, they seem to just be able to flick a ball wherever they need it to. You know, they've just got skill just coming left, right and center. He has that and he's strong and he's quick. And yeah, you know, mm. at the same time, yeah. you can find him for as a center as well, if need be, he can, he's shown that he can do it. So. Mm. I mean, how many, Polynesian boys, do you see, or have you seen over the years that are forwards that have silky hands? Probably. You know, it's yeah, it's re- it's remarkable, isn't it? You know, yeah. you think you think now 
about players like Junior Paulo and uh, even back to players like Filetti Matteo and whatnot. You know, yeah. they, the, the skills they had are just second to none. I, I've taught and coached a lot of junior boys um, at school level, and it's the same thing. They just have it. These are bigger, stronger, quicker boys, but they just – yeah, the, the skills are phenomenal. So, yeah. It, yeah, it's quite – Here's an interesting question, but I'm going through the list again of who's available in November 1. Now, the, one of the players that's available is Nanai. Do you throw the kitchen sink at him? Yeah, I do, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't have any downside as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I, I'd be happy to throw 700 at him. 704 years. He, he's that dynamic of a player. And the way that we've got our roster particularly structured at the moment, we can afford to do that. Mm. Um, I think we offered him around 300, 350 yeah. at the start of the year for a two-year contract. And it was mulled over for a little while. And then eventually he chose to stay. But we had a red-hot crack at him before the season started, before he'd actually made his debut. I don't think he debuted last year. Uh, I think he debuted this year. But he might have debuted last year. But, yeah, we had a red-hot crack at him in the off-season. And him and Lukey, for that, that matter, they both... They both turned us down, but uh, most definitely because he is available um, to negotiate. Well, there you go. I just checked that Nanai debuted against us in 2021. Okay, there you go. Yeah. So <laughs> must have had just the one or maybe one or two uh, games last year. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say so. Yeah, he's... Yeah, he's young, he's dynamic, he's he's brilliant. I don't see them spending big in the second row, to be honest, because I think that's largely where most of our juniors are stacked, unless the next the next wave. Mm-hmm. As far as I can tell, the flag wave is predominantly second rowers with a prop or two in there in terms yep. of where the talent lies in our flag system. And then the the ball system, um sorry, the the Harold Matt system. I always get the two confused Harold Matts and SG ball, but yeah, yeah. Um the the Harold Matts side who won the comp in the Maggies, the 17 side, are predominantly spine players. So there's players like Lachlan Galvin, Talon De Silva, um and oh, I can't think of a few other names, but it, yeah, there's there's a few more, I think, halves and backliney players that next sort of uh that next level below. So that's not to say that the flags don't have backs and the and the um, and the Harold Mats don't have forwards. I mean, the, the Harold Mats have uh, Jordan Miller, who won the I think yeah, he won yeah. the the award for best prop at the National Under 18s Carnival, the Combined High Schools Carnival. Yeah, yeah. just re-signed. So yeah, look, there is a mix there, but I think in terms of the next wave, we've mentioned the names a thousand times before. Um, you know, the likes of what have we got? We've got two Muthus in the squad this week. Uh, we've got O'Kane, we've got uh, Kautoga, Kristen Ma'anema, Sione Fainu, um, who else have we got? Matamua. Uh, and I'm probably missing out another few as well. I think there was another couple that came across this year that looked good as well. There's um, Brendan Webster Mansfield. Uh, there's, oh, yeah, I'm just trying to think of them all at the moment. There, there's, a, there's a stack of them. So, Point being, I guess, is I, I don't see us spending big marquee money for a second one. Um, I think we got Isaiah on a gun deal, and he's currently the best second row in the comp, in my opinion. And so I think what we'll try to do, if they do end up playing Bloor in the middle, like we've heard, is they'll try to get by in the meantime. And I think they might be getting by with the likes of the guys that they're debuting at the moment. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him have Safe Arthur around for another year, which is horrible. But um, <laughs> So... Saifarth um, might well be in and around the squad. I think that you'll see uh, Tumuth promoted. He may well get a shot next year. Um, Matamua is more of a lock prop, so he'll be in and around the squad, but I don't think he's quite there. And, yeah, there's a bit of movement. We might see a buy maybe or two, maybe someone a, a bit more experienced. Um, there's a bit of talk about players like, uh, Dory and and Topine or Topany from the Bulldogs. I don't know the pronunciation of his name. There are a couple of fringe, young fringe uh, second rowers that can't get a look on look in at the Dogs. Um, so, yeah, look, we'll have to wait and see. Um, 
lot of stuff to happen. So as much as we haven't been getting signing news over the last few months, especially since the match stuff happened, it will come. And I think when it comes, I actually think next year, heading into next year, our, our squad is going to look remarkably different to what it is this year in a lot of ways. We don't have a heap of spots, but I think we're going to see a lot of turnover because don't be surprised if we see a few early releases and and a few people slated to be uh, to replace them. So, Well, who do we have off contract this year? So we've got... So Safarth is off. Yep. Uh, unsigned. Jock Madden is unsigned. Um, oh, William Key is done. For those of you who are listening, you... Most of you will have no idea who that is, and with good reason. He was a development contract. We we're obliged to give him a full squad spot this year based upon development contract. And he basically, I think he's back playing Rod Massey Cup. Um, he just, yeah, just didn't make it, unfortunately. So that's one, two, three. We've released Leilua, which frees up a spot. We released McKaylee, which freed up a spot. Um, who else have we got? So there's five of the current 30 that aren't there next year. James Roberts. Yeah, Roberts is the other one. Yeah. So there's six. Did you say uh, Kelma won't be there? There's seven. Tamao most likely won't be there. There's been no talk of re-signing. There's eight. Uh, and we might be missing one or two as well. So there's eight yeah. there already. There's plus on top of that, there's talk of little to the dragons. That would make nine. There is talk of Gildart to the Dolphins. That makes 10. We've been trying to shop Peachy, although how luck we won't be able to find a suitor for him. We'll be stuck with him. Mm. Uh, so look, there's 10 already. And at the moment, all we've got coming in confirmed is uh, literally Papali'i and Appy. So that leaves eight spots still to be filled. So some of those are obviously be taken up by um, people getting signed on. Um, from either development contracts up or signed straight to top 30. I think Pole goes to top 30 next year. I think Ruin Natakora goes to top 30 next year. Yep. So that brings us up to around 24-ish. And there's obviously going to be a few that we forget or some that we've gotten wrong there. So, yeah, there's – look, there might be anywhere from four, five, six-odd spots there that we're still to fill. And we're going to have to fill them externally because we are still very short in the second row. I think we're still short uh, through the backs. I think Tommy Talao at the moment remains unsigned for next year yeah, as well. Yeah. Yep. But he may well be training trial as well, um, which is what the talk is with him. So, yeah, still movement to be had for sure. Yeah, it's interesting. Just looking at the list now, there is one play that there's been no talks that I've heard, um, not from our squad, but from the Roosters and Angus Crichton. Haven't heard him being re-signed by the Roosters and, um, obviously there was the chat of him coming over if Madge was still there, but you know, he's still, he's an origin player. He's a great player. Um, uh, yeah. see if we can sign him again. If that, if that follows there. So. Yeah. Oh, most definitely. I think, I don't think anybody with half a brain would turn Crichton down to our, um, to our squad. Um, Yeah. I think that the, the magic inside running thing was a 5% chance at one stage, but, you know, I think that ship's long since sailed. We'd be very lucky if we even entertain those sort of thoughts and that'd be nice. So yeah, it's an interesting one. A couple of whispers out, a few people that went to the Tigers meeting group in Brisbane, and this is probably just, um, you know, it's probably just paying a bit of lip service, but uh, someone asked to Alagi directly when they were having a chat to him, about him signing with Manly. And he said, oh, I haven't actually signed. Was his, his response. Okay. And they said, oh. And they sort of had a chuckle. On the, and he said, no. He said, I actually haven't signed anything. So I find that a bit hard to believe, considering that reportedly he did it before Christmas last year. And then they released an article in the Herald earlier this year saying that he'd signed with Manly. So I don't know what the go is there. I don't know if... if the contract terms fell through and he was all but signed, but they never actually have signed on the line or uh, if a few things had changed, I don't know what the go is. Um, I'm assuming that he's there with his finer points to iron out. So that's just something to keep in the back of your mind. The other one was someone had a chat to Tamo and said, um, 
you know, you're playing decent footy. Would you go around next year or you're all done? And he said, I'd, I'd love to go around next year. Yeah. So we haven't heard anything in that regard either. Like you've said a thousand times, why they're bringing Woods back if, if Tamo's ready to go again is, is so far beyond me. It's not even funny. It, you forget output. Like it's just the culture and the leadership he brings. Yeah. James Tamo has surprised me with how good of a leader he is for this. He's exactly what the club needs in terms of a leader. No, I agree. I agree. What pleased me so much, like it sucked seeing it happen because the, I guess the combination of, um, you know, Hastings at lock and then he has his two halves that he sort of works with. Um, But what pleased me out of that situation, if you take anything from it, is how fired up Tarmel got. I watched that and I went, if I was on Mm. the field and I saw my captain do that, I'd sit there and go, yeah, I'm playing for him. Mm. So, but he tried to apologize. I'm like, don't apologize, mate. The guy's a dickhead. Fucking <laughs> Adam G can go G himself up. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Ah, uh, that. Um, yeah. We won't talk about that tackle because I think all Tigers fans know how we feel about that Pat Garrigan tackle. Yeah. Don't um, really need to break break it down anymore. So I just thought I'd do a really quick. So for anyone that knows, um, I can. I'm quite good with computers. So I just had a quick look at the entire website of Manly at the moment, and I can't see any news at all about him signing. So you'd think that if he'd signed, they would say something on the website. Mm. So there's no news whatsoever. None. So, yeah. Uh, and speaking of... Carrigan. Carrigan table, four-game suspension. Four-game ban. Not enough for me. No, should have got six minimum. Yep. Well, yeah, five or six for me. The fact he's got four, he got off light. He snapped the bloke's leg in half. Yeah. I don't care what the players above were doing. He came in. He came in. He sat He sat on the bottom half of his leg. He wrapped his hands around his hips and he leveraged him backwards. The players at the top, I said we weren't going to talk about it. Now we're talking about it. The players at the top <laughs> were in no way trying to bring him to the ground. They were simply holding him up. They didn't play a role. He initiated that movement to bend Hastings back on himself and that dragged the players on the top over the top with him. Not only, not only did he put Hastings in a, in a horrible position, but he initiated the entire movement that made him break his leg. Four weeks is a joke. Um, and, yeah, that's – what message does that send? There was reports on 360 tonight about a father whose son playing for Redcliffe had a hip drop tackle done to him, broke his leg and did his ACL. So what message is the is the NRL sending when they're saying, yeah, you can do that and play. He's going to play another regular season game now. Yeah. Arrogant. yeah. So he gets to play another NRL game before they even get to finals at this stage. He broke a bloke's leg in half with something that he didn't need to do. It wasn't an accident. I'm not, I'm not saying he meant to go in and snap his leg, but the tackle wasn't an accident. He executed the tackle exactly how he wanted to. It was a textbook hip drop. That's exactly what he was trying to do. So look, uh, I I I actually I enjoy watching 360. I watch it every night, and often a lot of the opinions I sit there and go, "You're an absolute dickhead." But conversely, a lot of other times I watch what they say and go, "That is bang on." And the way that they are carving up the NRL and the judiciary system at the moment is is bang on because the judiciary is an absolute absolute joke that word doesn't even do it justice what we get some charges for and not other charges you know who gets sent off and who does like how did Carrigan not even get a sin bin for that he broke his leg he's been suspended for a month he didn't even get sin binned you know it, anyway another argument for another day but just rubbish rubbish tackle poor outcome soft outcome once again and you know Happens to us, doesn't it? It does. I was just going through. I think justice for all that, and I don't give a shit if I highly doubt any Broncos fans listen to us anyway. Justice for that is the Broncos miss out in the finals because they don't have their key lock there anymore, and so they miss a lot of tackles in the middle. No one to stiffen it up, um, and they have one game to make it into the eight when Carrigan comes back, and then Carrigan gets sent off within the first ten minutes. That'd be justice for me. After getting hip dropped by somebody else and breaking his leg. <laughs> no, we don't. We don't wish injuries on anybody, except Kyle Felt. Um, so, 
smug prick. Yeah, look, we always hope that people and teams get their comeuppance. Look, I feel I feel a lot less um, anger towards Carrigan than I do Kyle Felt last week. And yeah, I do too. The main the main reason being is that I know for a fact that he didn't mean to break anybody's leg. And you could tell immediately after it happened, he stopped and put his hand on his chest and when he realised what he's done. Fair enough. But just like Nathan Cleary, you've got to take your medicine. Yep. Uh, his tackle was woeful as well. Yeah, and they'll cop the band that they cop. So it is what it is there. Um, but, yeah. Kyle Feltz out with a hamstring injury at the moment, by the way, so sucked in. Yeah, you little bitch. Yeah, I don't feel any empathy towards that bloke whatsoever. He's a he's an absolute cat. And um yeah, he deserves everything that's coming to him. Hopefully he comes back early from his hamstring, gets a grade three, tears it off the bone, and um and the cowboys bomb out in straight sets in the finals because that would be just desserts for a team that dead set in the last decade, all they've done is whinge about conspiracy theories and controversial yep. calls going against him. And the second the shoes on the other foot, what do they do? They don't empathize, they don't say, you know what? This this is not fair. It happens to us a bit, and then now the Tigers got dudded too. They go, oh well, bad luck, suck it up. We got told to do that, so they're just a pack of hypocrites. The whole supporter base, the whole club, fuck them. <laughs> there you go. There, there's yep. your um, there's your typical uh, Zach rant for the podcast. There's your hot take long- from eight days ago. Yeah, I was about to say it didn't go for as long as last week's, but um, we always appreciate it. So. No, I, Toby will tell you, I go in uh, ebbs and flows, to quote Madge. I go in um, in phases in terms of the teams that I hate the most. Uh, Polo off the back fence. Just watching the replay, folks. That was a beautiful run oh, from Polo. Um, yeah, I go in, in cycles and phases in terms of hate the most. Rightly so, it's been the Penrith for a while. And, you know, the teams that hold a special place of disdain in my heart will always hold that special place. I hate the Rabbitohs. I hate Penrith. Um, but... Yeah, Cowboys, you, you're getting pretty close to that list, I reckon, off the back of that. And it, it sticks with you, doesn't it? These sorts of things. This no. is what the game is built on, though, right? It's it's built on a bit of rivalry and hatred and that feeling of being dudded and some teams getting stuff over other teams, you know. The Ivan stuff and the Penrith stuff, that was all legitimate hate. It came from, you know, what people do to other people, you know, and that's what makes this game great. But anyway... <laughs> It also makes it uh, extremely frustrating. Yeah, because we're often the shit team. Yeah. <laughs> in yeah. The, yeah. We're in the, yeah, in, in the battle, we're often the uh, the poorer of the two options. So, anyway, uh, I digress. Uh, heading into this week, mate, we've got a game against the Newcastle Knights, who are also an under-siege team. We're playing them at Campbelltown at home. And horrifically, I hate to say, we're starting favourites. Uh, it sucks. It's not good. No, I. <sighs> yeah, see, it's hard to it's hard to take that, and you know, people's like, "Well, what's wrong with you being the favourites?" I'm like, "Because we go in thinking we're going to win. That's our issue. Mm-hmm. Never go in thinking you're going to win." Yep. Yeah, complacency is our middle name. Has been for the best part of a decade plus. Actually, it's probably been. Probably well, been the case for longer than that, to be honest. It's just that the, the 2000s seemed so long ago, it's hard to remember um, individual games other than the big ones. Um, so, yeah, we play at Gambletown 4pm, I think, on yep. Sunday afternoon. Now, they're without Clemmer. They're also without Kalen Ponga. Mm-hmm. Uh, Newcastle oh. down on their luck, and they're getting lambasted from pillar to post by the media, so we all know what that means. What does that mean, Toby? Um, that they're probably going to turn up and destroy us. They're going to come out absolutely firing, aren't they? Yep. That's so, the only team that doesn't do that is the Tigers. So That's it. Exactly right. Oh, Zane Musgrove, beautiful try under the sticks. Single movement. Beautiful. <laughs> In all honesty, he would have scored that try regardless if he moved his arm. He should have just kept it close to his chest. So it's one of those ones, I think, where... Did he promote the ball? Absolutely. But momentum also carried him into the end goal. So if you look where he ended up, his, his, entire rib, his entire rib cage is over the line. 
So yeah. as much as he promoted the ball, yes, he did, but he ended up momentum still carried him there anyway. So the fact that he got into the end goal so far sort of negates the fact that he promoted the ball in the first place. If he just reached the line, it's a, it's a double movement every day of the week, yep. but uh, good on big Z. It's good to see him playing good footy. Who was, um, who was the, oh, Grant Atkins was the video ref. So was he? Okay. I guarantee you, but there has been, there was someone in their ear saying, make sure that you're, you know, don't be too strict with the rule book for the Tigers. Mm. No one told that to Adam G because Adam G was trying to cheat us out of another win. But oh, that second half run of possession he gave him, Fairnigan. Playful. Uh, anyway, bit topic, a little bit off yes. topic. Uh, I was just reading an article just then, and this is, I'm assuming that mostly men watch, listen to our podcast, but there was one of the worst injuries ever in, um, the English Rugby League second tier guy plays for the Newcastle Thunder copped a um, essential, essentially it's been described as an exploded testicle injury. That sounds like fun. Copped a knee, copped a knee to the groin and his testicle had to be removed because it exploded. That's lovely. Yeah. I just thought I'd end the podcast on that note. Cause that's so messed up. Well, that's good. Yeah. Thanks Toby. Um, so it was good doing this podcast with you, mate. We're going to miss you next week, but um, <laughs> that that that's lovely. Yeah, um, just ruined everyone's day. Whoever listens to this, all three of them. No, that was good. Well, that sounds heinous, Toby. Yeah. We all know what that, and we all know what that rhymes. <laughs> yeah. So back to the Newcastle game quickly. Um, Obviously, the only major changes are Pat Carrigan's victim um, and broken leg uh, autograph signing extraordinaire Jackson Hastings is out for the rest of the year, unfortunately. So we're missing our probably a linchpin at lock, which is lovely. And interestingly, we've had young gun Fanua Pole put into that position. So I dare say we're probably going to play a different style of football based upon that. Um, interesting, interesting selection. Yeah, like you've watched Pole a lot more than I have. I'm not sure if I've ever seen him do that kind of a role. Um, but we did say, you know, earlier in the pod that, you know, Polynesian players just have that skill. They can just do, they can just seem to, uh, I guess, pull those sort of maneuvers and be that sort of, again, a linchpin when they need to be, so it might work. But I guess if not, we know Joffa's there and we know Joffa can do the job. So, Yeah, well, that's true. And that might be a sneaky positional change that they do too, possibly. Don't really know. Um, Newcastle, obviously, without Clemmer, which is interesting because he's one of their main meter eaters, but they still do have the Saifidi brothers who, um, you know, they're, they're big, big boys in the middle. So the forward battle will be pretty important. Yeah. No, I agree. I actually think that's where a bit more dynamicism can be pretty handy. Um, those three, it's interesting they've managed to get those three in the same side, that being Clemmer, Saifidi, uh, Daniel, um, and um, what's the other one? Jacob. Jacob. I was going to say Jake, yeah. As much as Clemmer isn't playing this weekend, because they remind me of basically three Keith Galloways. And how they managed, <laughs> really, how they managed to get three Keith Galloways in the same side. They're all six foot five and... Um, stiff as a board and they just run straight and hard and they don't offload and they don't move sideways. And so it's quite remarkable, but uh, I, I personally, if I was uh, coaching a game plan, I'd be looking for a lot of dynamicism, um, a lot of quick ruck speed. Not that that's out of the ordinary ordinarily, but um, getting back between those A and B defenders and, and a lot of stuff up the ruck. Uh, and even, even a lot of second phase play, um, as much as that is a generic tactic, but particularly to move those bigger forwards around. I dare say they're probably open with those two players as their starting props then, I guess, if they're both available. Actually, I haven't looked at the Newcastle side. I'm just making assumptions, but it'll be interesting to see uh, if they line up with I'll those. Tell you that I'll have a brief look, actually. Probably their best player without Callum Pongers back in the side in Braddon Best. So he can yeah, okay. injury. So he had last week, was he? he? I think he's been out for a while. I think he's been out with injury. Okay. Um, yeah, you've got Jacob and Daniel starting props. Yeah. Um, 
what Tyson Brazil, Brody Jones, Mitch Barnett. Can't stand Mitch Barnett. Grubbiest player. Mm. I wouldn't surprise if he drops a hip drop somewhere. Brody Jones. Don't know much about Brody Jones. Uh, I've seen a couple of his performances. I wouldn't say he's a world turner, um, but he does a solid job. He's probably another, um, uh, to a lesser extent, Garner. Yeah. Um, look, they've still got a decent side if we look at them. You know, they've still got, you know, Barnett's an okay player, much as you slighted him. They've got Frizzell, they've got Safidi brothers, they've got Jaden Bradley at hooker. Still got Milford at six. Um, as you said, best and Gagai in the centres. So, look, they're, they're still a threat. And as we said earlier, if we take them lightly, it's mm. not going to end well for us. Remember when we took the Bulldogs lightly? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Well, another day, another probably stressful Sunday afternoon. I was on the edge of my seat for a good 45 minutes in that Broncos game. So, yeah. Most definitely. But at least we get to relax into another Sunday afternoon watching our, our team at home. Bold prediction time, Tobe. What have you got for the weekend for us? Um, I'm going to say that Stafford Toller has his best game in the centres. Up against his old club too? Up against his old club. I think that'll be... You know, when you play your old club, like you know, like I do, when you play your old club, you seem to give a little bit more. I think it's because you're a little bit more relaxed because you know who you're playing against. Um, so I think he'll have his best game. Like regardless yeah. of his position, I think he's played okay with us every once in a while with um, with uh, at, at fullback. But I think this will be his best game regardless of where he's played for us. Yep. Yeah, okay. Very nice. Um, I, I've got a bad feeling about this game, but <laughs> my feeling, my feelings this year have been nowhere. I thought we were going to get done by the Cowboys by sixty, so and we won that game. Um, so that means very little. But I'm going to say that uh, Offerhand Gary's going to run for over two hundred meters. Whoa! Yeah, okay. and he's going to play. He's going to play seventy plus minutes. I think we're just short of a middle forward, and I think that he'll be called on to do that. Um, so I think he's just going to be an absolute behemoth there. And I'm going to say that. Um, what was the other one I had? Um, well, I was actually going to mention Stafford Tower as well. I was going to say he was going to score a double, but I might, because you mentioned Star, I might go out to Naden and say this time he won't step on the try line and he'll score a double. <laughs> At least he brought that up in the um, in the interview after the game. Yeah, so he'll be marking up against Dominic Young by the looks of things. And um, as much as Young is a bit of an athlete and that sort of stuff, and um, he's shown some pretty good stuff, particularly under the high ball, I think he can be prone to some defensive lapses. And I think he also simultaneously can be shaky under the high ball. So, yeah, I like Naden for, for a couple there and Joffa for over 200 metres. So, that's me. You got a score prediction? Yeah, Tigers 32, um, Knight 6. Okay. Dominant performance, you're saying? Yeah. Okay. You? Yeah, interesting. Um. Well, it's hard because, yeah, like I said, a big part of me feels as though we're going to lose this game. But if I pretend that we, if I'm remaining positive, um, then I'm going to say that it's going to be exactly the same score as last week against the Broncos, 32-18. Either way, I think, win. I think, I think we score six tries in that situation. Dewey kicks four from six uh, and Newcastle three tries, three from three, so... I think that's the way to go. I think it'll be pretty close again. I think I think it's going to play similar score lines to how this game played, and we might just snag a couple either side of the break again to give us a buffer and just sort of hold on and do enough. Look, I just I want us to finish off the year in style. That's that's what I want. Hmm. Uh, did the ladder predictor today, and you know, obviously bored at work. It's generally what you do. Um, and if we win a lot of like the majority of our games, which is a possibility, you know, we do have the Roosters and we do have, I think we got the Roosters, the Sharks and the Raiders still. So that's, you know, we obviously always lose against the Raiders. So that tends to happen. Mm. Um, but, you know, if we do that, we, we won't make the eight. There's no, there's no chance of that, but we'll just, we'll finish 
very clear of the bottom and I can't see, I can only see the Titans winning one more game this year. So at least we steer clear of our first ever wooden spoon and we can always make that claim with Broncos fans. Yeah, so fingers crossed we can execute on that. I think to your point, you know, if we can show up and, and do what needs to be done this weekend, which, you know, fingers crossed, I'm, I'm hopeful and semi-confident that we're going to do, then that goes, yeah, a long way to hopefully keeping us reasonably clear of that mark. 100%. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, and look, to be honest, that's what we're playing for at the moment. Um, we want to keep that record intact because, um, to be honest, we're probably, you know, we're there with the bottom six teams and that's where most people predicted. And I think given the season that we've had and the squad that we possess, that's not necessarily under all or overachieving is probably where we're at. Um, And so, yeah, if we can, we can finish on a strong note, maybe jack another win or two um, fingers crossed this weekend, then yeah, we'll we'll probably sort of come out maybe a a D plus or a C minus, which, you know, to be honest, considering the injuries and all the turmoil we've had, you'd probably take it. No, I agree. Yep, yeah, I think. Look, we we we've talked about our juniors. We've talked about how you know how we need to nurture them coming through, and you know, I don't want another five year plan, but it looks like that's basically what's on the cards. So let's just keep moving forward and keep supporting the Tigers. Five year plan with uh, Benji, the captain of the ship, eh? Yeah. Look, it's an experiment. It'll be interesting how it plays out. Yeah, that's it. It will, mate. Well, we got a uh, we got a game on Sunday to look forward to, and hopefully, it is one to look forward to. Off the back of a bit of excitement with a win on the weekend, it was nice, nice to walk around with a little bit of pep in our step this week, and hopefully, the boys can carry that and us uh, into getting three wins in a row. Yeah, uh, as we play the Knights at Campbelltown Stadium on Sunday, seventh of August at five past four p.m. So, tune in if you're in the local area. You know the drill. Get down to the stadium, support the boys. Campbelltown normally has a pretty good showing and, and we love the boys out in the West. So do the very best that you can down there and uh, let's make the most of the rest of this season as we we slowly count down towards November 1 and an and extended preseason. Toby, as always, mate, pleasure talking to you and uh, go the mighty West Tigers. Go the Tigers.